Thank you, worship team. Well, good afternoon, and happy Valentine's Day. You knew that, didn't you? Happy Valentine's Day? Yeah, okay. Don't miss that, guys. If, if you still have some work to do tonight, that's good. You can still get it done. You know, there are, there are several stories about St. Valentine, but I think maybe the most accurate one goes like this. St. Valentine was a Christian pastor from a small town in Italy, and he was martyred by Emperor Claudius of the Roman Empire in 270 AD for secretly marrying Roman soldiers to their sweethearts. You see, the emperor thought single men would be more willing to die in battle, so he forbid his soldiers to marry. But the soldiers themselves, even though Claudius was not, the soldiers were Christians. And they loved their fiancés. So Pastor Valentine agreed to marry them in secret. And he was arrested and sentenced to death. And while Pastor Valentine was in prison waiting to be martyred, the jailer brought his blind daughter to him and asked Pastor Valentine to pray for her. He did, and her sight was instantly restored. Just before his death, Pastor Valentine sent the young girl a note of encouragement, and he signed it, Your Valentine. You see, Jesus is able to drive out fear, and he's able to heal broken hearts and open blind eyes. Pastor Valentine knew Jesus, and he knew the power of Jesus' love to overcome sin and even death. Do we need that power in our lives, in our world today? Yes, we do. Come, Lord Jesus. Well, I'm honored that Scott called me, uh, was it Thursday or Friday? And said, I need some help. And so I said, I'm here, brother. I'm here. And so I'm very honored to be able to share God's word with you today. You know, Jesus is the only power in the universe that's able to heal the disease of sin. A disease that has infected every human heart, including yours and mine. Are you with me so far? Well, what are the symptoms, the symptoms of this disease of sin? Well, I don't have to go through them. I don't have to list them. You know them because you've experienced them. You've been victimized by them and you've even participated in them. You see, sin isn't just bad behavior or doing bad things. Sin, as I said, is a fatal spiritual disease, and we all have it. We've all been infected, and that's why the Lord Jesus came. Jesus came and lived an absolutely righteous and sinless life, even though he lived in the midst of all the temptations that we face. And then he exchanged his purity for our depravity. He took the guilt of our sin upon himself and he placed himself under the righteous wrath of God. A mystery we'll never be able to fully understand. And he paid in full the debt that stood between God and us. Why did he do that? This is love. This is real love. This is God's love. The same love that created us, because it was love that created us. Thanks for that beautiful music and blesses us and sustains us. Even when we persistently ignore and reject Him, God's love is the only hope for our sin-shattered world. It's the only hope for sinners. 
like us. And it's available, available all the time, without cost, for anyone who will receive it. Is that good news? Yeah. And we need to hear that over and over and over. We need to share it with each other. We need to practice sharing it with each other. Well, I understand Pastor Scott is in a series on the fruits of the Holy Spirit. What a wonderful sermon series that is. Let me read them to you again. But as I read them, I want you to consider how you're doing in each of these areas. Um, is your cup full? Are you doing just fine? Are you producing fruit in this area of your life? Is your cup running a little short in one of these areas? Let me read them. Oh, by the way, I should tell you, you can't generate any of these fruits by trying harder. You can't generate any of them uh, through your own power. They come from God alone. So Paul writes, the fruit of the Spirit, that's the fruit of the Holy Spirit, is love. How's your heart with love? Joy. How are you doing with joy? Is it flowing from your life? Peace. Is your heart at peace? Are you at peace? Even if you have terrible circumstances. Patience. How are you doing with your patience with those that you're the closest to? Kindness. How are you doing with kindness and compassion for those around you that are hurting? Goodness. Goodness. Generosity. Faithfulness. That perseverance when it gets tough. How are you doing with that? Gentleness. Becoming more like Jesus is becoming more gentle. Our world doesn't have much time for that. How's the gentleness going in your life? Self-control. How's self-control going? Are things kind of on the edge? Pastor Scott told me that he's teaching on each of these gifts during the next few weeks, and so we're not going to do that this morning, but I want to look at what Jesus said about how these gifts are produced in the life of a believer. So if you've got your Bible, open it to John chapter 15. Or if you have it on your smartphone or your dumb phone, I'll open it up and, and take a look at it there while we read John chapter 15. The context is this. It's the night of Jesus' betrayal and arrest, the day before he is crucified. Jesus and the disciples have finished the Last Supper, and Judas has disappeared to do his thing. And Jesus and the eleven have gotten up from the table there in the upper room, and they're making their way out of the city by the eastern gate, across the little Kidron Valley, and up the hill to the Garden of Gethsemane. And on the way, they may have passed a small vineyard. There were numerous vineyards there, and Jesus begins to teach one last lesson, one last lesson for his disciples. He says, I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it so that it will be even more fruitful. Notice that every branch gets pruned by the gardener. Did you note that? Every branch gets pruned. No branch escapes his clippers. Well, why is that? It's because the gardener loves his vineyard and he tends it carefully. I asked one of the workers at Cashman's Nursery in Bozeman. Anybody been to Cashman's Nursery in Bozeman? 
When's the best time for me to prune my, or prune my trees and my shrubs? And the young man that was working there told me, well, old man Cashman, that's the guy that started the place, had a saying. The right time to prune is when your shears are sharp. In other words, all the time. All the time. Jesus goes on and says this, You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. He's speaking to us. He's speaking to his disciples. You are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Now don't miss this. The word clean means pruned. You are pruned by the word that I have spoken to you. The gardener cleanses his vine by pruning it. And the shears that he uses to prune it is the word of God. Now the Bible is the best interpreter of the Bible. And Hebrews 4.12 says this, The word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. The Word of God is a sharp pair of shears that God uses to shape us and to prune us. If we want the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, to be produced in our lives, then we must be pruned and cleansed by the living, active power of God's Word, day by day by day. But first, we must make sure that we're grafted into Jesus. That we're grafted into Jesus, who is divine. Because His life must be flowing into us and through us. And if that's the case, then we will find that he will use his word to trim us and shape us and prune us daily. Now, I have to be honest with you, this process of being pruned is not always pleasant. Oftentimes it's painful. And sometimes it's very painful. Sometimes the Lord shows us things in our life we don't want to change. He shows us places in our lives where where we are expending energy and doing things that are destructive, not only to us, but to other people as well and to the kingdom of God. So this pruning is often painful, as you can imagine, but it's absolutely necessary, essential, if we are to be spiritually healthy and if we are to bear good fruit, which is God's will for our lives. Heavenly fruit, Jesus says, fruit that will last into eternity. Jesus goes on and says this, Remain in me and I will remain in you. An older translation says, Abide in me and I will abide in you. We could translate it, Live in me. Live in me and I will live in you. Stay connected to me. I'll stay connected to you. Don't stray. Don't stray from me, because regardless of what the devil says, I am the only source of life. The devil's got lots of lies. Oh, if you just had you know, a little more money, a little more of this, a little more of that, you'll be happier. You'll have more life. Those lies are, are pernicious, and they are there all the time. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. We say that with me? Without me, 
you can do nothing. Nothing of value, nothing that will last, nothing that will be productive. Those words are more true than we can possibly know. Every heartbeat, every breath is a gift from God. And if we are cut off from Him, we are dead. We just don't know it yet. The things of this world cannot give us life. They cannot nourish life. They are powerless to give life. Only God can do that. If our lives are be, to be productive in a way that matters for eternity, then we must be connected with Jesus and draw our life from Him, moment by moment. The fruits of the Spirit can never be self-generated. So if you want to say, I want to love more, you're going to have to get connected to Jesus so that His love can flow into you and through you. The fruits of the Spirit are the result of having the life-giving love, the sap of Jesus Christ, flowing into us all the time. All the time. If we're not connected to Jesus, we will end our days empty. Empty. Fruitless. Like a rotten raisin. No matter how successful the world may see us, no matter how much stuff... We may accumulate. At the end of it all, it'll be empty. I'll never forget Peter Sellers at the end of his life, one of the most successful comedians that ever lived. He said, I'm so empty and I don't know why. Only Jesus can feel that emptiness. And he alone can make us productive in a way that will, make a, that will matter for eternity. If our lives are, are empty at the end of our lives, how tragic that will be, because we'll stand before the throne. Now, I think there's time to repent even then. But if we persist, we'll be thrown into the fire. It doesn't have to be that way. You know, I've, I've known people through my years as being a pastor who have said, I don't need Jesus to be a good person. I can do good things. I, I don't need Jesus to, to be a good person. But you know, the Bible tells us that, that all the good works that, that we generate in our own strength are no better than a pile of puppy dew in the presence of heaven. All our attempts to generate our own good works, good fruit on our own, are in reality futile attempts to cover up what's really wrong within our own hearts. We're pretending to be good. The unvarnished truth is we're in bondage to sin and we cannot free ourselves and we know it. We know it. Without the life of Jesus flowing into us, we are empty. We are hollow. And it's so sad that it made Jesus weep. That's why Jesus wept. And it's what led him to the cross. So is there any hope for prideful, blind, self-serving sinners like us? Because that describes all of us. Absolutely. Jesus came to save sinners and we all qualify. He came to reconnect us to the source of life from which we came. He came to restore true love and joy and hope and patience and courage, all of those good things that we had lost 
when we became disconnected from the God who created us. He came to restore our true purpose and the true weight of glory that God intended for us when he created us. You see, as human beings, there is a glory about you that needs to be restored. When we look at another human being, we should see that glory. That's what Jesus did. Something very precious, very precious. The Spirit of God was, was blown into that person, whether they know it or not. And we want to recover that. So how do we get reconnected to Jesus the vine so his life can flow into us and produce this good, healthy, holy, spiritual fruit? Well, again, you already know. You already know. The Holy Spirit has made it plain to you. You know what needs to happen. Stop resisting Jesus. Stop resisting Him. Stop holding Him at a distance. Stop trying to be in control of your own thing. Flee to Him. Confess your sins to Him. Confess your mess to Him. Confess your, your, your control issues to Him. Open the door of your heart and invite Him to come in, morning by morning, day by day, to fill you with Himself. You know, the meaning of your baptism is that we die to ourselves every day. And we are raised to a life to, to serve God and honor Him and bring Him glory. Let the life of Jesus flow into, he, into you. Follow Him. Fill your mind with His Word, with His truth. Turn off some of the things that you've been using to, to, to fill your mind and, and, and fill your mind instead with His Word. There's so many ways to do that. Make it your aim and your passion to obey Him in all things, regardless of what anyone else may say. Follow Him, no matter who may tell you, you're a fool. Let go of trying to produce good works through your own wisdom or effort. Even let go of trying to determine what is good works and let Him determine what that is for you. Without Jesus, without being connected to Him, your branch will be fruitless. As fruitless as a branch disconnected from the vine, Jesus says. You know, as I was preparing this message, I learned something about vineyards that I never knew before. And some of you that have been around vineyards probably already know this, but uh, many of you that don't know anything about that, that's probably the case here in Montana, uh, might not. Did you know that the best wine comes from grapes that are stressed? That are stressed. I thought that it was the vines that had the best climate and the best soil and the best weather and all of that kind of stuff that, that made the best grapes, that made the best wine. That's not true. That's not true. It's fruit from the vines that have overcome tribulation and drought and difficulties that make the best grapes, that make the best wine. So when you see a wine bottle that says, oh, that was from 1959, that was the best year, that's because that was a tough year. Isn't that amazing? 
That's true for our lives as well, isn't it? The sweetest fruit that comes out of our lives usually comes out of spiritual crisis and physical adversity. Is that not true? It's not the easy times that produce good stuff. It's the hard times. That's when the Lord prunes us and shapes us so that the fruit we produce is good and sweet and will last for eternity. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. By the way, you may have run into this. Are you aware that before Jesus comes and begins his work in us, we scoff at fruits like these? We, we scoff at that stuff. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Blah, yuck. Why would I want my life to be built around those things? I've never, I, you know, I've even heard people say that they'd never want to live in a, in a place forever that's filled with love, joy, peace, kindness, and gentleness and stuff. You know, people who say those things have no idea what they're talking about. If that's your attitude, the Lord won't force you to live with Him in paradise. He'll let you have it your own way. And He'll allow you to spend eternity in the place that you create for yourself. A place of bitterness and darkness and emptiness. A place where you'll soak forever in the stench of your own pride. And your selfishness and your hatred and your despair and your envy and your jealousy and your revenge and your hopelessness and your burning regret and loneliness. Right along with other fools like Emperor Claudius. But that's not what the Lord wants. That's not what the Lord wants for you. That's why Jesus came. That's why he endured the cross. That's why he take, took that evil into himself. He paid the price for our forgiveness in full and opened the door of paradise for anyone who will come in. And the Holy Spirit came to graft us into the vine, into Jesus, so that God's love could again begin to flow through us and make us more like Jesus and bless the world. You know, that's why God created us. He blessed us to be a blessing to the world. And there's no greater joy than using the gifts God has given you to bless the world. That's the ultimate joy. Every morning we have a decision to make. Who will we attach to today? Who will we cling to today? Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I need you. Without you, my cup of love runs dry. My patience runs short. The grace that, that I should be offering to others fades. And I find myself doing and thinking and saying things that I abhor. I want to stay connected to you. I want to cling to you. I want your life to flow through me. So change me. So that your fruit will be produced in my life. Forgive me, renew me, cleanse me, prune me. Prune me, Lord. Fill me. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.